The sounds of success vary from person to person. Over to second in time on the first double play. Success sounds like this to a Credenz soybean grower. When you pick Credenz, you get a precise variety that fits your field. A variety built to work in your soil type and conditions with targeted traits for local pest and disease pressures. Earning the satisfaction of a successful soybean crop, that's smart. Talk to your authorized Credenz retailer or local BASF seed advisor. Always read and follow label directions. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us and letting us be part of your day. Merry Christmas to all of you. I am in Chicago today for the DTN Ag Summit. We'll talk a lot about that here on our program today. And good to be uh, able to be part of this meeting, this event this year. A little over 400 people here at the DTN Ag Summit. Of course, uh, the news today, we want to just kind of We'll talk a lot more about this tomorrow, but uh, there's movement on USMCA. It looks like uh, perhaps an agreement uh, with Mexico on some things and between House Democrats and the White House. So it looks like we're getting closer to a vote in the House. Now, remember yesterday, Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley told us that even if the House does get a vote on USMCA done this year, it would probably be january before the senate would have a vote and even then it would be after any impeachment trial so impeachment would be first of course impeachment used today with the the articles of impeachment announced by house democrats so um it's a step forward it looks like we're moving forward on usmca but it looks like it'll still be a while before it would uh, happen in the senate we're still actually waiting for the uh, call for a vote in the house as well so but things are moving there and on the china front uh, both sides now say they're working towards a delay of those December 15th tariffs. So uh, maybe some progress there as well. We'll get into all that with details and updates coming up on tomorrow's program. Joining me now, though, from here at the uh, DTN Ag Summit in Chicago is DTN's Editor-in-Chief, Greg Horsmeyer. Greg, thanks uh, for being with us and for having us here this year, your 13th DTN Ag Summit. What's your theme this year? So the theme this year is uh, win, overcoming challenges with winning strategies. Um, we brought that theme out early in the year to think about you know what farmers were going to be dealing with this year. And when spring came around, we knew that challenges were going to be plentiful. So we've tried to put together a, a, a set of uh, speakers and sessions to think about beyond what we've dealt with this year, but how do we grow in the future? Little did you know then how many challenges 2019 would have absolutely absolutely this has been a doozy of a year there's no doubt about that and 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 across the country now you have as i said a little over 400 here that number impacted by the fact that some farmers are still trying to get harvested absolutely we we've talked to a lot of farmers in the last 10 days or so that said we're going to try to be here if we can but we still got crops to get out we've had some farmers that literally said we uh he uh, he pulled the chisel plow out, parked the tractor on Saturday, and said, okay, we're going to Chicago, and made it here. So we're grateful for the ones that can make it, but we understand that not everybody could do that. You have folks here from several states as well as people here from uh, out of the country, right? right? We, have, international visitors. we have some South American visitors. We have uh, uh, some folks here from China. Um, we have some from Canada. Uh, we also, yeah, states as far away as Montana, uh, Pennsylvania, and then kind of the core, Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin, Michigan. Yep. 
Well, I think everyone here, obviously, and those listening are, are aware of the, the challenges of 2019. And I think everyone's ready to move to 2020 and looking for opportunities in 2020. And you're focusing on that here. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the speakers that we pulled together this year as we kind of tra- stayed with that theme um, and one right now that's talking, uh, Doug Tatum, talking about no man's land, about how companies go from being a small, successful company and grow in some new areas, but yet not leave what brought you to the table behind. And so those are those are challenges that we thought uh, farmers would be interested in listening to. Yesterday, we heard a great presentation um, from uh, speaker uh, David Horsager on trust and how earning trust both in the people you buy from, the people you sell to, the employees that you hire, how building a trustful business can be a, a company advantage. It can be your, your advantage about doing better than your competition if, if you have a trusted environment that you're building. You know, every year things are changing in agriculture, but a year like this can bring about, for good or for bad, more changes than uh, than normal, and we're probably going to see that. This we'll look back at 2019 as kind of one of those years that, well, you know, uh, for some maybe, it, well, they'll have to get out of farming maybe because of some things. Others will say, okay, we took that opportunity and we we shaped it into something that helped us move forward. So. Uh, this will be, uh, I think, a, a year we'll look back on. Absolutely. I mean, not only from a management sty- side, but even from a logistics and how do we get things done side. I think these kinds of years this year, even the harvest of last year, I think uh, taught us a lot of lessons about how we need to prepare for, for the inevitable problems, Murphy's Law. So when you're, you're putting this program together and you're trying to, and I, I've looked at your your audience here so there are young farmers as well as older ones yep. here so you're trying to get a broad message out there absolutely this this event has always been aimed at what we call the farmer ceo you know the businessman that is running a business and whether that ceo means he's only he has a c-suite of just a couple of people or whether he has a, a broad employee base but we we really aim at that uh, uh, thinking about the future, thinking about your business, focusing on the business. Um, we have sessions on employee management and, and those kinds of issues. Uh, grain marketing is, of course, a big part of what DTN's about. So we've got some sessions around that because that's always a challenge, and especially in this market, as things are flat. You know, we're not we're not waiting for fifty cent moves. We're trying to pick up those five and seven cent moves. So, so uh, a lot of sessions around that as well. What would you say is the mood, the attitude of those farmers that are here? You know, that's a really great question, Mike. I'm always amazed at the positive vibe that we get at this event. Uh, You know, let's face it, the last two falls have been tough. And really, the guys that got through this harvest... Their tough period started a year ago. You know, they they really didn't have much of a let up uh, in terms of, uh, but of what they've done uh, and had to go through. But the vibe is positive. The folks that are here are looking for ways to get sharper and 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 move their businesses forward. Whatever that, whether that means growth or whether that means just getting better at what I have today. There's there's a lot of that both. Um, so I'm I'm. As much as they enjoy this event, for us on DTN to, to pick up that vibe, to know that our readers are still positive and moving forward and trying to make things happen, it, it's a really great feeling. I think it's interesting to see this is a great challenge. We've heard about belt tightening now for a couple years right, or more right. in agriculture. And you wonder, you get to the point, how much more can you tighten the belt? 
And I'm always amazed at how creative farmers can be in finding ways to do that and and find opportunities to move forward, even when the ag economy is the way it is now. Absolutely. And, you know, the way they often do that is, I've talked to some farmers here about that, is they do that in their community. They do that by putting together buying clubs, by putting together grain marketing clubs to share some of the responsibilities and share some of the decisions. Uh, you know, that that's one of the wonderful things about agriculture is when, when we when times get tough when we need to do things we we don't just go down inside our shell we work through our communities to do that and that and that's a role that DTN tries to play is to be a part of that community well it's great to be a part of your summit this year thanks a lot great program and uh, look forward to working we have a lot of your uh, your staff on uh, throughout the year here on Adams on Agriculture and always appreciate them sharing the information thank absolutely you. Mike we love the relationship thank you for All coming right. take care that is Greg Horsmeyer he is editor in chief for DTN. Coming up next, we're going to talk with the new CEO of DTN. Steve Matheson will be joining us next from here in Chicago at the DTN Ag Summit. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Some measure success by Italian suits, corner offices, and luxury yachts. Farmers measure success differently. It's breathing fresh country air, taking care of the people you love, and knowing how to measure success in your soybean acres? That's smart. With Credenz soybeans, you get a precise variety bred to fit your acres. And that Credenz variety comes with agronomic expertise and local insights from your BASF team. So plant your sign of success. Talk to your authorized Credenz retailer or local BASF seed advisor. Always read and follow label directions. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. We're broadcasting today from the 13th DTN Ag Summit going on in Chicago. A little over 400 people in attendance from several states and uh, South America as well. We're happy to have with us now the new... CEO of DTN, Steve Matheson, joins us. And when I say you, what, just six months on the job? Six months. Well, tell us uh, about your background. Sure. Well, well, first of all, Mike, thanks for having me on the program. Uh, you know, I come to DTN after uh, spending time in, uh, in the consulting industry and then in uh, the CPG space, particularly with uh, companies like Nielsen, where our focus has been on helping those companies better leverage data and, and uh, analytics to make smart business decisions. And that's really the business DTN's in as well. And so uh, it's fun for me to move a little more upstream in the in the uh, food value chain and, and work more with the farmers. Uh, you know, it, it actually feels more fun to be at this part of it, frankly, because, um, you know, the, the CPG part, a lot of processing and, and uh, a lot of the big brands and a lot of challenges going on in that space. But uh, a lot of positive trends, actually, for agriculture, despite a brutal year. Well, I was asking you uh, before uh, uh, we started the uh, and came back on the air. Just, there's so many things happening in the food and beverage yeah. industry right now, and a lot of it. Uh, it it's interesting how agriculture is a, is a part of this. Uh, of course, obviously, agriculture is the big part of it. But I'm talking about how it's branded and and uh, how customers perceive it. You know, we had the the. Yep. Uh, 
uh, the corn syrup wars going on in the beer industry, and now we have the, the plant and cell-based meat products that are out there. These are interesting times, and a lot of it is is uh, imaging and marketing and branding. That's that's a big part of it. And, and then, how, then how customers perceive yeah. all this. Well, there's a lot of trends in the, you know, in the CPG side. Uh, it's really consumers want authentic ingredients. They want a, the right story. They want to feel good about what they're consuming. Uh, and sometimes that translates into things like, you know, the uh, the new meat alternatives because, you know, animal welfare, et cetera. You know, there's an argument in some of those that it may not always work, so the no antibiotics ever uh, push that's gone on, you know, is causing higher mortality in animals, and so it's not all good. But um, And then there's health concerns, you know, and people uh, want to eat as healthy as they can while eating things that taste good, which is sometimes a bit of a conflict. And, you know, and then the big trend that's causing stress for that industry is the real shift from, uh, I call it the craft beer problem, you know, shift from big brands, big institutional brands that have been powerful for the last, you know, 60, 80, 100 years uh, towards, you know, most of us, if you go into a new town and you're, and you're uh, at a restaurant, you know, you ask for, like, what's the local beer? You've never heard of it, and that's the feature. In the old days, you would have said, oh, I need a Budweiser because I want something I know what I'm getting and I can rely on. And, and that's, that's starting to impact uh, all the other parts of the food space where people are more interested in what's new and interesting and different. And I find this interesting, too, Steve, in that with the, the popularity right now, or at least the the publicity, the attention being put on these new products, cell and plant-based products, and some consumers seem ready, ready to accept them, many because they're, somehow they're convinced they're saving the planet or right. whatever it may be. But they were, a lot of those people were very skeptical of GMOs, but they yes. seem very willing <laughs> to accept this technology. Well, you know, consumers are not always consistent uh, in how they think about some of these things. So you're right. The the same people are anti-GMO. Uh, also, you know, th- there's not a rational discussion on if you don't have GMOs, you have to do a lot of in- invasive spraying of non-pleasant chemicals on the crops, uh, and nobody wants to talk about that. So it's it's, and you're right. The especially the cell-based, uh, the grown in the lab sort of meats that they're now talking about using 3D printers to print you a steak, you know, you can hardly think of something more artificial than that. And yet, you know, it's the same people who don't like GMOs and don't like processed foods who are, uh, you know, are are supporting those things. It reminds us, and we've seen this throughout the GMO debate, facts, science doesn't always win the argument, right? Well, it's, it's, you know, so the, the issue for the industry is how you tell those stories and the consumers, you know, for better or for worse, like stories. And that's an opportunity, by the way, for the ag space because, you know, more and more consumers want to know, you know, this was grown on Sue's farm and Sue lives in Iowa and she has, you know, two kids and, you know, all these story things help. And, and you see it in restaurants too when, you know, mm-hmm. it's not just a chicken breast. It's the chicken, you know, it's the Bob's farm chicken breast, whatever. And in restaurants, you can do that. CPG or packaged foods or even in grocery in general, it's harder because, you know, the volumes start to get to be really high. But uh, there's some real pockets, and I've been talking to some of the farmers at our show, and and there's a few of them who are doing some really interesting things where they have partnered with smaller brands, uh, you know, to sort of provide a lot of that to one company who then, you know, sort of are part of that storyline for that small brand, which is kind of fun. 
We're talking with Steve Matheson. He's the new CEO for DTN. So I, I think your background then in that industry, the food and beverage side of things, should give you an interesting perspective coming to DTN and how, yeah. as a company, you cover agricultural issues related to food and consumers. I mean, it all comes together. Well, I, I hope it, it you know, gives me one lens onto it. Uh, you know, I'm not uh, deep uh, in, in farming roots, and so that's, that's a learning part for me. Uh, and the other real reason I'm here is, and, and the reason that the board uh, wanted me to come in is, I have a lot of experience in how you use data and analytics to help our clients make better, faster decisions. So we're here to help farmers be more successful, and we have to measure ourselves every day on are we helping farmers be more successful, particularly given all the pressures going on right now. And so that's really around, you know, how do you take the things you do really well that you've done very well for years and, and know how to do, and, and when? how do we help you make better decisions? And things like, you know, we have a, a spray outlook, which is a fairly basic tool, but just helps you understand is it is it an okay day today or tomorrow or the next day to, to spray your crops? Uh, and, you know, is it going to rain? Is it something else going on? Uh, and getting that kind of very clear, specific, actionable uh, data to people so they can make smart decisions we have a lot of opportunity to do that. That that's what we do already, and that that's an exciting thing. And we're trying to try and take that forward and make sure that we're doing the best we can to help farmers be more successful. Well, two areas there: getting the information, the right information, accurate, valuable right. information, what the farmers are wanting and needing, and then finding the best way to deliver it to get it to them. Yep. That's always a challenge because there's so many different uh, sources out there and and ways to right. access it. Well, this is DTN's legacy. You know, we started, uh, you know, in the 80s doing this. And part of the challenge that still exists in rural America is, is the Internet isn't very good. And uh, the USDA says a quarter of farms don't have reliable Internet. And so, you know, we are not only doing, you know, regular Internet, web-based, mobile app applications because there's a lot of that and a lot of value, particularly to farmers mm -hmm. who spend their life on the go of having mobile. Uh, but, you know, we we launched, even in the 80s, a satellite offering to try and make sure we could get weather and crop price data and usable information to farmers where, you know, this, where they are, despite the fact that they didn't have, uh, you know, as, as good an Internet connection. And that need still continues, to be honest. So we're looking at how to, how to revitalize that offering because I think everybody thought that was going to go away over time. But uh, it's becoming pretty clear that, you know, the efforts to wire rural America are slower than anybody would like and given the size of some of these farms and some of these areas you know the the it's almost impossible to have good cell coverage unless you have your own cell tower on your own farm yeah, yeah. well i know because uh, i work, have a lot of your people on my show and i know we're kind of we're, we're trying to do the same things here we're we're covering a lot of the same things whether it's weather markets ag policy or whatever it may be yep. and trying to deliver this information and, and my approach has always been give the listener give the farmer as much information as you can and, and so they can make informed choices and decisions uh, and it's all about informed you know we're uh, you know you're not here to make those decisions for them we want to arm with the right data the trick that i have a lot of experience in and think is powerful though is um take weather data where we do a lot of that um is you know i don't I'm happy to give everybody all the data they want, but, but I don't want to make everybody be an amateur meteorologist and have to figure out the high-pressure center and the other, you know, if if the issue, if I can help them with actionable things like with the spray outlook on 
you know, there's it could be because of rain, could be inversion layers, other stuff. You shouldn't spray, you know, tomorrow. That's useful, and I'd like to give them that actionability. And if they want to click down and see, you know, all the stuff, great. You know, there's no, uh, we're we're not, you know, we're not trying to make that decision for them, but we're trying to make it easy and productive for them to to take all this data that exists, which is getting more and more, and, and use it smart. Well, you have a great team, and we enjoy working with them. Thank and, you. Uh, Good to, good to meet you, and good luck with the, the new job. Thank you so much. All right. All right. That's Steve Matheson. He is the new CEO of DTN. We're at the DTN Ag Summit in Chicago. Stay with us. Much more to come here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. The sounds of success vary from person to person. Success sounds like this to a credence soybean grower. Along with 43 new varieties this year, credence soybeans come with agronomic expertise from BASF. That means expert advisors who bring local insights on seed selection, management decisions, and crop protection options. Knowing the kind of success you're shooting for? That's smart. Talk to your authorized credence retailer or local BASF seed advisor. Always read and follow label directions. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. We're at the DTN Ag Summit in Chicago and keeping track, watching, following the USMCA news. Speaker Pelosi announcing an agreement on USMCA and says she thinks the New Deal is infinitely better than what was initially submitted by to Congress and. Um, Senator Grassley issued a statement saying this is long overdue, but very welcome news. I'm glad a deal has finally been reached. I look forward to reviewing the specific language soon and expect committee members will be briefed in person by USTR this week. So that, um, again, it looks favorable now for the House voting on USMCA this year. And again, we'll see about what happens on the Senate side because as senator grassley told us uh, yesterday he expects that would be in january and after any impeachment trial but certainly some big movement on usmca with an agreement uh with mexico some changes and uh, uh, satisfying evidently the uh, concerns in the house the house and white house coming to an agreement so that uh, it's another step forward on usmca we'll have much more on that coming up in tomorrow's program here at the dtn ag summit we're happy now to be talking with colin pennington he's communications manager for decalb asgro and delta pine colin good to see you thanks for being with us good to see you mike glad to be here well i've got a feeling that uh, you're you have been hearing from and are hearing from farmers a lot this year with all the challenges of 2019 yeah you know it, it really was and it feels like we have this conversation at at ag summit every year we talk about um, the familiar faces and folks we get to catch up with and who made it this year and who didn't, who's still at home working. And, um, you know, I think this year more than ever, the challenges of, um, you know, the floods early and, and no rain late. And, I mean, it, it, Mother Nature never gives up on us. And so it, it, it feels like, you know, we have the conversation every year and going through a year like this, we had it once and then we kind of thought all right we're through it we can get through it and then things just kept happening and so um definitely a challenging year we, you, know, you talk about the mca and, and everything going on in the political climate it's good to hear start hearing some good news there because i think 
um, as folks move and, and start to shift towards thinking about 2020, it's important to have um, be able to kind of reset and, and, and look to something positive as we move forward. How many times have you heard somebody say this year, I just want to get 2019 behind us and move on? It, I think it started before planting was done for a big chunk of the corn belt, to be honest with you, and um, hadn't really stopped. You know, Getting to talk to a few folks here this week and having conversations and um, you know, visiting with other folks from the industry like myself and all, all of the conversations start with, man, aren't you glad we can kind of just start thinking about 2020 and not, not have to keep thinking about all the stuff that we went through. But there's, there's still some positives to come out of the year for sure. Well, let's look back a little bit from your perspective in the seed business. Okay, you have a year where millions of acres don't get planted. That had to have an impact on, on companies like yours. It does to an extent, but, um, you know, just just like farmers, we're always thinking about mitigating that risk as well. And, you know, years like this are going to happen. And so I think, um, you know, it puts us in a strong position, obviously, going into 2020 with, um, you know, yeah, there was some product that didn't get planted that, you know, we've now got as carryover and some really good products that folks are going to want to put in the ground next year. So certainly it alleviates any of those supply concerns. Um, you know, we're lucky enough with, with some of the breeding capabilities we have both here in the U.S. and across the globe that from a sourcing standpoint for us, um, you know, supply was never really going to be an issue. And so from a corn and soybean standpoint, um, you know, we're, we're able to diversify enough that, that, you know, we can confidently go into 2020 and make sure we're providing folks um, the products they want and need from DeCalvin Asgro. And, um, you know, I, even from the cotton business, not, not as relevant to this conversation, but a lot of exciting things happen in there as well. Um, you know, for our fellow growers in the South. So, um, you know, really looking to, to kind of move into 2020 and, and capitalize on that. You know, I think we kind of did the back and forth corn and beans and some switching to beans, and then, you know, maybe we're just not going to get things planted. And um, I think more we ended up going in the ground than we, we maybe thought there for a little while, but still a significant amount of prevent plant. And so, um, you know, that's something that will be really important as we start to have conversations moving into 2020. And how we plan our management strategies over the winter and thinking about getting a head start on things if we've got especially those prevent plant acres and making sure we have a plan and um you know a conversation we had yesterday with with several folks here is have a plan and plan on it to change because um you know this isn't this wasn't the last year that we're going to see flooding rains all spring it's not the last year we're going to see that drought it's not the last year we're going to see these uh political issues and so um you know i think we, there's a lot to learn both from the crop we did take out of the ground and from the crop we never got planted, um, you know, and try to make us better next year. We're talking with Colin Pennington, communications manager for DeKalb, Asgro, and Delta Pine. So we look at 2020, and as we're hopeful for a better year, but we know some areas, you know, there's not much margin to work with because it's still wet. We've had flood threats throughout the year they didn't go away that'll be an issue going into the spring of next year we've got farmers still trying to get harvest done you know and so they're trying to think of harvest as well as planning for next spring now there are some areas in the midwest i know in my area in illinois uh you know been able to get fall field work done that was a nice change again so they're probably a little ahead of where they were say a year ago so it's a mixed bag going into 2020 yeah i think you you think about places in illinois i think in illinois missouri even pockets in iowa um a lot of catch-up happened here in the last month or so there were some windows of time but i mean even then it's fragmented i know um you know plenty of folks both my family and and friends in the business who are still running hard trying to get that fall field work done across the belt and um 
So we just got to make sure that we're, you know, prepared and, and getting that work done. And, you know, at some point, you know, take a break for sure, right? And um, but, but then also sit down and think about, you know, what can we learn? We, we have a lot of conversations around it's hard to go through a challenging season, and I think a lot of folks probably got in the combine this fall and maybe ended up seeing some yield numbers they weren't expecting. And, and that's that's good, but we also want to, you know, caution – looking at data over multiple years and thinking about, you know, what caused those things. You saw we had a lot of, um, you know, maturity switching that happened late when folks couldn't get planted. And so you got to think through the situation and the conditions that created that end result and make sure you don't over-index on that in 2020 and think, oh, gosh, I, you know, I, I didn't expect that. I need to do that again. And, well, I, I don't think the conditions that we saw this year are going to be favorable to that next year. And so it's kind of a you know, we walk a fine line of celebrating the success we had in a challenging year, and there's a lot to think about. We, from a DeKalb Asgrove perspective, especially on the corn side, think about things like standability and dry down and, you know, those characteristics that are always important but maybe get overshadowed by yield in a normal year when we can just put the combine in the field and go. And so we've had a lot of those conversations. You know, it's, let's take a closer look at how those products perform, not just the yield, you know, where can we find some of those genetic lines that share some of those similarities that, hey, you know, it probably doesn't make sense for me to plant that same hybrid next year, but I can look at another one from a similar genetic line that's going to give me those agronomic characteristics. And there I learned something that, you know, maybe otherwise I wasn't paying attention to. A learning opportunity for sure. Um, what was it like when all of a sudden the brush was on to find shorter season varieties as the as the planting season got pushed back and pushed back? I think... Um, you know, overall, I don't think it happened as much as we thought. And you know, we've you know, a lot of our agronomists out in the field are really good about working with extension, and, and a lot of universities putting out, hey, here's the dates you really need to look at. I think there's a lot of, tends to be a lot of misconception, especially when we have those prolonged periods of no activity early, where, gosh, I'm behind, I got to get going. But those GDUs accumulate a lot faster once you get into June and July. So a couple weeks of time in, in May and in April isn't accounting for as much as we sometimes think it is. And so I think a lot of the conversation around switching, we're able to kind of take a hard look at it and say, all right, well, maybe we're not quite there yet. So we didn't have quite as much of that. But, um, you know, we're excited because of the, the depth of the portfolio we have and in being able to provide depth across the maturity ranges, especially as we go into 2020. We've got a lot of exciting new products for that northern Corn Belt and that 100, 110-day range, especially in that 100, 105. And so... Um, you know, the combination of that depth we already had and the supply we already had and the new products we're moving forward and planning to launch, it's a really exciting year. Yeah, I think two stories. We, we talk a lot about the big story of the challenges of getting crops planted, acres that were not planted and things like that. Can't overlook that. That's the big story. But the other story that I think maybe we'll tell more in the future looking back is how amazing it was we produced what we did produce under those kind of challenging conditions and uh, uh, you know which would have been unheard of several years ago or just a few years ago before we let you go you, uh, tell us a little bit about your bear rewards program uh, what uh, farmers should know yeah so uh, I- exciting new offering as we move into 2020 um, from Bayer and it's Bayer plus rewards and so an opportunity for farmers to sign up um, you can visit uh, mybearplus.com or you can go to decalbasgercom slash bearplus um, it's really a, a new incentive opportunity um, to put a package of products together from Bayer on your acre. Um, you know, what's exciting for us as new company and now being part of Bayer, that massive portfolio of, of products from a fungicide, insecticide, and, and herbicide portfolio that really gives farmers a lot more options 
um, you know, and, and so being able to put something together for every product you purchase um, in the program over two over two products, it's uh, a $3 incentive. And every product from the portfolio you add on top of that incrementally goes up $3, $4, $5. So um, a good opportunity to earn up to $10, $12, $15 an acre back for doing a lot of things you're already doing. Um, now that we've got uh, all those brands under one umbrella, it makes it an easy opportunity um, and, and gives farmers choice to pick the products that they want. We've got uh, great partners in Valent who are in the program now as well, so a few other herbicides in there. Um, and just a great opportunity to, to earn some incentives and, and really let farmers be in control of it through that portal once you log in. As we get going in this next crop year, you'll be able to log in, redeem your points however you want, no strings attached, and uh, should be great. Very good. Colin Pennington, Communications Manager for DeKalb, Asgrow, and Delta Pine. Thanks, Colin. Thanks, Mike. All right, stay with us. More to come here at the DTN Ag Summit in Chicago. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Mr. Chairman, as a corn root, I speak for millions of my kind who can't be here to defend themselves. Pests are stalking our stocks and undermining our roots. But we can elect to protect with a legacy of strength. Poncho Votivo 2.0 seed treatment system increases nearby microbial activity to help us grow stronger. That's smart. Ladies and gentlemen, please, this is a corn roots movement. Ask your BASF seed advisor about Poncho Votivo 2.0 seed treatment. Always read and follow label directions. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back here at the DTN Ag Summit in Chicago. We mentioned that uh, there are farmers here from uh, several states, including North Dakota. Our next guest is Chris Johnson. He farms in Wapaton, North Dakota. So not too far from South Dakota, actually, No, right? um, my farm is located uh, six miles from Minnesota and 12 from the South Dakota border. So we're right down in the bottom. You're kind of the tri-state yeah, area. The start of the the start of the Red River Valley, yeah. yes. Well, we know that there's been challenges for about everyone in farming this year in 2019, but your state of North Dakota has been especially challenged this year. Tell us what kind of year you've had. Well, um, you know, it started out a little later than what we'd like, and, of course, um, uh, not as many heat units as we'd also like. And then, uh, you know, we have this thing called uh, snow up in our <laughs> area. And uh, uh, a lot of the producers got a, a, a gift, so to speak, of about two feet of snow uh, in October when they should have been combining corn, where they could have been combining corn. So consequently, there's a lot of corn out in the field yet. There's actually quite a few soybeans. And we raise other crops in North Dakota, such as sunflowers, canola, flax, you know, those types of things. And, you know, those those are still out in the field, and actually there's some wheat that's out in the field yet, too. Now, you're pretty well done, though, you say, on your farm? Yes, we got done at uh, 11.11 at 7.23 p.m. I remember, you know. That's <laughs> Not that you were keeping track. No, right? no, no. We'll give or take five minutes. We, we hear a lot about the challenges you just described for farmers in your state of North Dakota and on the on the sugar beet side especially it's been challenging oh absolutely and and I was telling you off air that you know my farm we raise soybeans corn wheat and then I'm partners partners in uh, sugar beet operations you know and and that's a crop you know that's growing in the ground and so when you have excess moisture uh, it's difficult to you know obviously get them out of the ground a mud is uh it's a bad thing, but it's part of the part of the game in that business. 
So the amount of acres still not harvested in North Dakota would seem to mean that uh, it'll be, what, not only through the winter, but maybe right up to next spring for some farmers to get it all out. Yes, yes, it will be. And, you know, there'll be uh, there'll be situations where the guys will go out. And, and the reason it's out there is the, the corn is still wet yet, and, and it, it really isn't mature. And so over the winter, you'll probably get, you know, some drying issues, you know, the corn will dry down. So we've done that before, you know, and so then March and April, you'll be harvesting corn yet. So the guys had their, they, you know, put their combine in the shed, but didn't take the corn head off yet, you know. Weather challenges for North Dakota would not be anything new, but has this been a year different than most for you? Uh, you know, this isn't the worst year I've had. The worst year has in, been in 2009. And the reason this, we probably had more rain in the fall than 2009, but we have a new tool that you guys in Illinois have had for a while, and that's drain tile. And, uh, you know, that's relatively new, I, I would say, in the last 10 years, you know, pattern tiling. And so those of us that had land, corn, soybeans, whatever, on drain tile, got their crop in on time, got it in earlier, was able to spray it, and was able to harvest it earlier. And so uh, that definitely paid off you know and the only bad thing about drain tiles you got to pay for it you know but uh no it it's been uh, a challenging year so well so much for getting fall field work done you're just still trying to get harvest and many uh, farmers in north dakota uh that's good so that kind of sets many farmers already at a you know behind going into next year yes yes it does you know and and i mentioned 2009 you know we I've been at this game for 45 years, so this will be my 45th or 6th. I can't even remember anymore. Um, You know, we we were planting soybeans, and we had to stop planting to combine corn so we could resume uh, planting again, you know. And so I can say that in my career we've done this before, you know. And and the guys, you know, they'll figure out a way to get it done. Farmers are interesting creatures that way. Well. And I mentioned this earlier, and that's kind of one of the things going on here at this meeting, this DT and Ag Summit. I'm always amazed at how farmers uh, find ways to adapt and to deal with these challenges and move forward. Yes, uh, you know, and, and and this conference, you know, I've been go, I've been here 12 out of the 13 conferences, and the only one I missed was in 2009 when we were harvesting. But you know, this is the one percent of the one percent, basically, that are that are here and these guys aren't stupid by any any sense of the means you know and so yeah we figure it out we can figure it out chris uh the, the crop that's in the field and won't be harvested till almost spring or uh, what about the quality of that crop well as <laughs> it's kind of interesting you mentioned that the quality will actually get better um the, the corn that it's wet, like extremely wet, in the 30s wet and low test weight, uh, it will d- tend to dry down over winter, you know, low humidity, and the test weight will actually come up, you know. So the, the problem with leaving it out is <laughs> we have this other thing, besides snow, we have this other thing called wind. And uh, so when we did this in 2009, we thought we'd lose a yield to the snow but it's actually the wind coming in the spring when it you can't get out there and it, it'll knock it over and so on and so forth so i think that you know the guys will get it and you know it's just a little bit more work and so on and so forth but you know i mentioned before this has happened a, a late fall for us so 
most of my peers, you know, we have we have drain tile, we have tracks on our combine, we have rear wheel assist, we have track grain carts. We load, we know how to load on the road, you know. And when we first bought our set, first set of combine tracks, it took two days to put them on. We did it in two hours this year. You know, we know what we're doing. We don't even talk to each other. You know, we just this guy does this, this guy does this, and it and it goes on, and and uh, it's actually pretty slick. Well, we wish you all the best and uh, hope for a better 2020, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. There's always next year. That's it's, right. It, and if it was easy, everybody would do it. Chris, thanks a lot. All Good right, you bet, Mike. All right, that is uh, Chris Johnson. He farms in Wapaton, North Dakota. As you heard him say, he's fortunate to have the harvest done on his farm, but a lot of farmers in North Dakota uh, and upper Midwest still with harvesting to do. Well, that's going to wrap it up for our coverage here at the DTN Ag Summit in Chicago. Back in studio tomorrow, a lot of information for you on both USMCA and on uh, trade negotiations with China as well. Hope you'll join us right here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. The patented pod shatter reduction technology canola hybrids from Invigor are the perfect blend of strength and durability. Stronger pod seams and stems protect the canola seeds within while protecting you from potential yield loss. And that gives you added flexibility at harvest, even when dealing with adverse weather conditions. Shattering yield records, not pods. That's smart. Contact your local BASF seed advisor today. Always read and follow label directions.